heard that intro for a while, but it seems appropriate because it's time for Soul Place Radio. With Megan Skinner, let's bring her on to reintroduce herself, her show, and her guest and topic for today. Megan, how are you? I'm good, Nicole. How are you doing? Excellent. (laughs) And welcome, everyone, to Soul Place Radio. I'm Megan Skinner. I'm your host for the show, and I do this, the, uh, the what, what do I do at the first Sunday of each month? So welcome, welcome. And we've got a great show ahead for you. But before we get into that, I just want to give out a big shout out to everyone in Houston, the Houston area, Texas, Louisiana, and everything they're going through. Uh, our hearts and our thoughts are very much uh, with them and with all of you there. So just wanted to let you know that you're in my prayers, and we're sending you lots of love and lots of grace. And, you know, that's that's the other thing I just was wanted to mention to everybody today. You know, it's so intense out there right now, and it's so easy to have your buttons pushed or go into fear or go into anxiety. And, you know, this is a moment where we're all being called, I believe, to just dig in a little bit deeper, to really, you know, find ways to separate from everything that's happening out there. And I'm not saying to put your head in the sand. I'm just saying it's really important to really take time to go within and deepen your process with yourself and deepen your process with spirit. It's just more important now than ever before. And, you know, I also do a, uh, to help you with that, uh, every Sunday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, I do a Soul Place Live Guided Meditation on my Facebook page, and you can find out all about that and my other services on my website, which is uh, meganskinner.com. Okay, I'm so excited for the show today. My guest is the amazing Leah Michaels, and she's an artist and an activist and a filmmaker and a surfer and a blogger and a writer, and she's also my very good friend. And welcome to the show, Leah. Hi, Megan. Can you hear me? I can hear you great. Thank you. Perfect. How are you today? Hello. I'm great and feel even better after tuning into your um, your wonderful guided meditation this morning. So yeah. Oh, thank you. Okay. I love doing that. You know, it's it's a, just such a great way for us all to kind of connect and stay grounded and all of that. So I want to tell people. Just I'm going to give you a little introduction and then I'll let uh, let you introduce yourself too. And the re- okay. one of the reasons that prompted me to have Leah on the show today is she uh, has been writing this amazing blog called Surf and Surrender. She'll actually be telling you about that. I'm even going to, Leah, you're going to read some excerpts from the blog. And it's just, it's a really amazing um, story. 
story of Leah's journey as she traveled through Europe, Portugal, and Greece and learned how to surrender and everything that went along with that. So I met Leah a while ago. She was um, a student at University of Washington, and we actually met in a yoga class. And I was actually leading the class. I was uh, talking a bit about astrology and all of that, and Leah and I just (laughs) had this immediate connection and one of the re- one of the things I remember about Leah is she was the one always like with her hand up, like going, "Talk to me, answer my question. What about this? What about that?" And so she's always <laughs> been this. Well, she's a Gemini, right, Leah? <laughs> yes. Definitely. And so Leah's always always asking the good questions and and very curious about life. And so we got to know each other. We became friends. And then Leah was um, promoting her film. Uh, it's a documentary, Rock, Rage, and Self defense. I'll let her tell you a little bit more about that in Seattle. And we met for coffee and she said to me, you know, Megan, your social media and marketing just makes me so sad. And I really think you could (laughs) use my help. That's you did say that, but you were Leah. That is what I love about you. You're just so honest, right? And so from then on, then Leah became my social media marketing person, and then she left me to go to grad school. But we have become fast <laughs> friends. So how's that for an introduction, Leah? That's pretty good. I think that's a pretty good introduction. Well, and I I remember when um, it's interesting because I even wrote about the first day we met. And, um, like, how amazing and important it was for me. And Megan also helped me because when, when we first met, it was shortly after I had actually come back from uh, – returned from studying abroad in Greece and um, was still kind of – my dad had had a stroke um, earlier and was still kind of in that recovery process. And, you know, there were a bunch of other life questions going on because I was – at the beginning, we met at the beginning of my junior year of college. And, mm-hmm. you know, college is, mm-hmm. is great and wonderful, and Seattle was perfect for me, and UW was perfect for me, but um, coming home after Greece and dealing with, you know, the recovery of my father and a bunch of other things, I was yeah. just very confused about what I really wanted and if I was in the right major and what I was supposed to be doing with my life. And Megan, if anyone has had um, a reading with Megan, you know that she just totally – helps you kind of guide to where you're supposed to be and where you're going and where you are right now. And I remember meeting you and then coming for a reading to your house after and taking the bus, taking the bus out there. Or borrowing a friend's car once and then took the bus another time. And, <laughs> and you were so helpful with saying, you know, like your dad's going to be okay and you are totally in the right major and you just have to kind of keep going with what you're doing and then later that year in the winter is when Roz and I had the idea for our film and started filming uh started you know interviewing people and so it was just kind of it was all good you just totally helped yeah with yeah everything. well so. you know and that's the great thing is you know it, it's really lovely sometimes to be the older person in a friendship and watch someone just grow and evolve and as you have and, and Leah you know also it's like you have helped me so much in so many different ways so it's it's very mutual but let's oh. let's start our conversation today talking we'll get to your blog your amazing blog yeah 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 it yeah, is yeah. really amazing but I want to talk let's start by talking about 
your documentary film, Rock, yeah, Rage, of and Self-Defense. And uh, go ahead and talk about that because it's really pretty freaking amazing. Well, thank you, first of all. Um, but, yeah, so our film, uh, my one of my best friends in the whole world, um, Roz, Roz Sarian and I uh, made this documentary film with the help of everybody involved in um, Home Alive and the Home Alive community and everything. And uh, so it's called Rock, Rage, and Self-Defense, an Oral History of Seattle's Home Alive. And mm-hmm. it's about the kind of, you know, some, some people listening may know about this, but just if you don't, um, it's about the grassroots self-defense uh, collective called um, Home Alive. And it was started in Seattle in the early 90s um, in response to the rape and murder of Mia Zapata, who was an amazing um, one, just an amazing person, but an amazing punk singer and, you know, a musician and, you know, rock star and people and also a wonderful friend. You know, if you watch the film, so many people say she was just always willing to, like, help you with your music. And she was just this total, amazing, strong woman. And, um, you know, after that happened, it really just triggered, you know, this fear throughout the whole community and her her murderer wasn't found for ten years, and so it everyone kind of was trying to figure out you know what had happened to her and who did it and there was also this idea that this could have happened to me, and there were so many people, women in the collective who showed shared their own past stories of trauma, you know violent trauma either from and, and acknowledging that most of that happened by people that they knew. So either in you know, right, abusive right. relationships or family members or friends and kind of recognizing that it's not okay, you know, and that it's happening to a lot of people. And self-defense classes at the time and even now were really expensive. And they were all, all these women, you know, were members that were young and were members of the, you know, kind of underground punk music scene that was going on at the time and the art scene and the activist scene. And they were like, if we can't afford this, that means that nobody else can, you know. And so, right. right. And, yeah. Um, and, you know, Leah, I have to say, you know, I was around in Seattle at that time in the 90s. Right, and uh, right. I remember, I remember the whole thing. And there was such a feeling of collective fear, you know, at that right. time, Seattle was a much smaller town, a much smaller right. community, and especially in the art scene, it was just, I think everybody was completely freaked out. Right, totally. And, you know, and it wasn't it wasn't just Mia. You know, there were other friends of theirs who had passed from, you know, drug use and other people had died in bike accidents. And so it just felt like, why, you know, are so many of our friends dying? You know, and what? Yeah what's going on and then and what was happening to what happened to Mia and you know the police treated them pretty poorly and were they for a while they didn't want people to know that she was raped and they were like no you can't do that like people need right. to know what happened and and um yeah and so they kind of came together and they were like we don't want to collapse into fear we want to protect ourselves and mm-hmm. so what are we going to do? And we don't want to stop going to shows. And, you know, most people, you know, jobs were like waitresses and bartenders and yeah. musicians themselves. And so they were out late at night, too. And, you know, when people say those things where, oh, well, just don't walk in that certain area, 
it's like, well, what right. am I with there? You know, it's like, I mean, that's, and I think it's just all of these horrible stereotypes that are all really factored in victim blaming and fear-based right. and not, right. and not recognizing that most of the violence happens by people, you know, and so like that, right. none of that was a part of the conversation, you know, the mass conversation then. And even now it's, you know, a lot of still this victim blaming fear-based stuff. So they wrote their own right, and you know, and you know, and the the thing too, Leah is, um, and I, I, I'm, I think this was a little bit traumatic for you, as you were like, you, you know, you did the film, and then you also toured with the film, and you heard right. so many stories from women that came right. forward that the film just kind of opened up a conversation, or them, you know, revealing or expressing their own situations with abuse. Exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, the documentary is all about kind of their, the found, the founding nine members process and how, and also the overarching themes of how kind of, you know, art and activism are inherently connected, you know, and it yeah. kind of just always have been. And right. so, and the film is now online for free. So anyone can go and watch it it's on YouTube for free. And um, it's about an hour and, yeah, and so then we toured, and we had, you know, we toured through America, like, all over, and then we wound up touring in Europe in the winter of 2015, and it also went to Russia and all of these other places, you know, mm. even without us, because we all, we just wanted the story to be out there. It was the most important thing, because one of the other issues where we were like, how did we not know about this? Like, how did we not know this story? <laughs> and, you know, it was kind of like, and I think that's really one of the grounding ideas in my like art practice and general interest is you know my undergraduate degree from UW is in history and then you realize that there are all of these amazing stories of women throughout history and all of this other stuff that are and you know people of color and uh, queer histories and everything that are just completely like ripped out of the book you know I feel like I just have this image of you know, these just angry white dudes just ripping these stories out of the history books, you know, so that no one yeah. knows about them. Yeah, angry white dudes, And, yes. I mean, and so it's, and it's just yes. like the, you know, that's kind of, I feel like part of the project that I'm interested in and is learning these things myself and then being like, no, other people need to know about this. You know, it's so important. Right, right. Right. And it is an amazing documentary. And uh, so I really encourage everybody out there, all the listeners, to go to YouTube and check it out. And, you know, so there's, let's let's fast forward a little bit and, uh, you know, into present moment. And I know there's been a lot going on between the film and, you know, what your blog, uh, Surf and Surrender. And, you know, one of the things that you talked about as you were getting ready to go off, uh, and I'll let you kind of explain a little bit more to Europe to learn about surfing, is one of the things that you realized while you were there is the last few years had been exhausting. That, yeah. you know, you had done this film, you had talked to all these women throughout the world, you had, you know, applied for grad school, got into grad school, you know, had a year of grad school, working full time, on and on and on. And so by the time you got to the point of going on this adventure, you were pretty exhausted. So bring us up yeah. to the starting point with that Surf and Surrender. Yeah, so starting point of Surfing Surrender was, you know, first of all, making the film was incredibly amazing, you know, but also incredibly hard, you know, so, you know, Roz and I, we didn't have 
a background in at least the technical skills of documentary filmmaking or any of that. We were just fired and we were like, well, let's figure this out. You know, like, let's just do it. And in that kind of, you know, DIY sense of things, the do-it-yourself sense of things. So, I mean, it was great, but at the same time, we had to teach ourselves everything. You know, I taught myself film editing just through, like, YouTube and, and books and all of this other stuff. So there was the, the learning curve of that, of just kind of throwing yourself into a major project. Um, and then also, you know, really wanting to bear witness and uh, be so mindful of these stories of trauma that were being yeah. shared when yeah. we were interviewing people. And then everything that came up when we were on tour. I mean, yeah. one, in general, like, tour is so fun, right? But also, you're just going, going, going everywhere. And we, you know, drove everywhere. My my wonderful father let me borrow, because I didn't have my own car, let me borrow his car when we did the East Coast tour. And it was, you know, just drive five hours, do a screening, have really emotional, meaningful, wonderful conversations with people, you know, crash on a couch, wake up at 5 a.m., drive five hours, do it all over. You yeah. know, I mean, like, that was just kind of, you know, that was how um, how it was. And it was so, I think we knew some of this was going to happen, but you can't really prepare yourself for no. No. the stories that come out over and over and over again in you know, such kind of like a short period of time, you know, over like a month and a half. And then not even that, but then I would, you know, be getting phone calls from people you know, I never told you this, um, or I've never told anyone, but I was, you know, raped by my boyfriend, like that night we left a party, you know, or just like all kinds of that kind of stuff that was, was coming out. And so I, hope that I could have helped them in in any of those ways and just being like, are you okay? Have you gotten help? Like, what can I do? You know, all of those other things. But I realized I was not. You're what, 24 at the time? Yeah, 20. Well, when we graduated, so we started the documentary junior college, so that would have been like 1920 and then graduated like 21 and then finished it like a year and a half after that. So yeah, you were just just like all. So incredibly young. To take right. all of that and then on. you know working, yeah, and then working multiple yeah. jobs that were all flexible to kind of, so that we could go on tour and we could focus on the film and make things happen and living at home and you know all of that other stuff. It was just kind of um, so yeah. So there would be days where I would go like walk to work, work at the cafe for you know like five hours, come home, work on freelance stuff, go house and dog sit, go babysit, and then you know work on the film. You know, like and then. Yeah. And, yeah. then, uh, and, and then there would be times where, you know, Roz and I would have times where we could try and go and fly to each other and be together to work on the film. But a lot of it, we were apart. And that was also really hard, you know, because I was yeah. living at home in Baltimore yeah. and she was living at home in Boise. And we were just trying to, like, grab any resource we could to, like, work and yeah. save money, put that money towards the film, have time with each other to work together uh, you know, all of that other stuff. And then meanwhile, you know, taking care of family and friends and people I hadn't talked to in years or people I had known my whole life who were then coming forward and sharing their own stories, you know. Yeah. And then there was that time where out of nowhere, uh, you know, Roz and I had been working on the film for like two years. And I don't know if anyone has watched The Keepers, but then my mom tells me about everything oh, that happened right. at her high school, 
you know. And right, so right. And just, just so, so people know, Leah, you're talking about The Keepers, which is a right. documentary series on Netflix. Uh, tell us a little bit more about that. Right. So also, I was born and raised in Baltimore, and um, yes, both both my parents, they mainly grew up here. Uh, they weren't born here, but they grew up here. And my mom went to uh, high school here at an all-girls private Catholic high school, and then I went to an all-girls private Catholic high school. And um, she went to Keough, and the, the stories that are coming out, the, the documentary series that's now on Netflix um, called The Keepers is about her class and uh, – her high school and what happened there and just like the extreme um, trauma that was done to two girls uh, in Baltimore in high school by priests um, yeah. and like the rape and sexual assault that happened there and the, just like the, the evil manipulation of faith yeah. that was really done too, you know, that somehow right. like God was do like they used God as a way to, to rape young girls. Yeah, and, and, and yeah, horrendous. and your mom you know, was absolutely there. Absolutely horrendous. Yeah, those are her friends. Those are her friends who are who are there. And so then yeah. she, out of nowhere, like she tells me this whole story while we've been working wow. on the film for two years, she'd never said anything. And then all of this opens up, you know, and she kind of explains like how people have been, you know, that she's been going to secret meetings for years to try and, like, take down the Catholic Church and, like, make people accountable for what happened, you know? I never knew any of this, none of it. Right, right, right. The film opened up all of this stuff, all of this stuff, like, personally, and then for so many other people, you know, really all over the world. I mean, in one way, it's amazing that the film went all over the world, but in another way, it's horrible because the reason it reaches so many people is because this is happening all over the world. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so mean, meanwhile, I am not taking care of myself. <laughs> yeah, <right>. you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> Cause I'm just like, I'm like not, I am just like hustling as much as I can to do everything in my power to like get this story out there and, um, and just kind of go, you know, and not, I, you know, and then there would be times where I'd have readings with you and that would be great. And so there would be periods where I would kind of be able to recenter myself for, you know, like a week or a couple of weeks or whatever. And then it's just so the, one of the things I write about in the blog is people never tell you how much work it is to just take care of yourself. You know, it's yeah. Yeah. especially yeah, absolutely. when you're doing and that's so easily goes work, out activism the window. work. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's so easily goes out the window. And so, you, you know, and especially for women. We always do like the, well, everybody else matters first before, you know, I can even take 10 minutes to just breathe (laughs) and do like a 10 minute meditation, you know, like, especially, I think that's kind of ingrained in us for sure. Yes. So anyway, so that all happens and it's, it's wonderful and good in so many ways because I think so many people would come up to us after and be like, thank you for making this film. Thank you for telling this story. Thank you for doing these things, you know? And we're like, this is not just about us. It's about everybody. It's about Home Alive and all of these, you know, how we can make sure that this never happens again, how we can fight for, you know, the end of trauma and the end of these cycles and the healing for everyone, right? And so anyway, that's all going on. And then then you're also preparing for grad school and getting into grad school and all of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then we go to Europe, and that's great. And then I kind of take a mini break for a month, and I spend time 
in Ireland. And luckily, one of the beautiful things was um, being in Kildare on February 1st on St. Bridget's Day. Oh, uh, so that was wonderful. And, you know, Did you have feeling, a big connection to St. Bridget. Right, because I have a big connection with St. Bridget, and then, you know, was in Italy for a little bit of time, And but I, I'm realizing, like, now as I look back on that, I was so out of it, you know, like, yeah. I was so just, I was out of it, and I, um, and I remember you saying, like, oh, like, you're supposed to have this amazing trip, because someone had done a reading for you, because where you had mentioned, like, we is going to have this one trip where she just never wants to come home. And at the end of right. that, I was still just, it wasn't, it wasn't that trip. You know, it was beautiful. It wasn't but that I, trip. I, I, it was, <laughs> but it was this one. But this was. This was a, tell us a little bit about yeah. how you got to this trip. This trip that right. turned so out to be trip. the one then, that was so amazing. The one that was so amazing, yeah. So then I came home, cranked out a bunch of work, cranked out a portfolio, uh, did freelancing, worked at a youth media nonprofit for a year, which also was, you know, good and mixed and hard, and uh, got into grad school, had grad school, hardcore classes, worked 20 hours a week, trying to make work, and that was the other thing is I realized, like, my work wasn't good, you know, like, my art was, at least in my in my view, it wasn't good, it wasn't where I wanted it to be, and um yeah, and so kind of at the end of that, towards like uh, right around winter last year, I kind of realized I was like, I'm not happy, you know. Like I'm sorry, my, my I was feeling was also. Uh oh, we've Sophie. got a little situation Hello. with uh, Sophie Marie going crazy. I'm sorry, Leah. This is part no, of live okay. radio. Hi, Let me just say hi, Sophie. Let me just put her in the other room. Okay, keep talking, Leah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's okay. Hi, Sophie. Um, yeah, and so I kind of, I think part of it was realizing, like, I was dealing with a lot of anxiety and just overworked and stressed and fine, and so many of my friends were going through the same thing, you know? And right. finally, I just kind of decided, I, I kind of realized, um, and I was gaining weight because I was eating on poorly, and I wasn't, like, it just wasn't healthy. It wasn't good. And I, I finally just kind of realized, I was like, I'm not happy. You know, yeah. like something, something wrong. And right. um, I just kind of need to get out of here. You know, I need to just finish yeah. school and I just need to leave. And I, so then the, the surfing kind of came up and I love the ocean and I've been wanting to learn how to surf since I was really, really little. Um, but I had always just seen like white guys doing it, you know. And, oh, right. And um, was just kind of like, wait a second. And then this is going to seem silly because for so many, like, it's a complicated movie, but Blue Crush came out, like, when I was 12. Oh, and I, I remember that movie. I remember that movie, yeah, and that was, but that was the only thing that I'd ever seen. I mean, like, it was good in one way, because it was like, wait a second, girls can surf, you know, and then, but at the same time, it's like, you know, this major Hollywood film that's just kind of really all about this relationship and blood and, like, whatever. Um, and then I started kind of doing doing some research and then once you dig deep you realize like you know the ancient polynesians invented surfing and they settled in hawaii and it wasn't a gendered thing that men and women surfed equally and it was this deep spiritual practice and people made their own boards and queens yeah. surfed and there were there were you know breaks and waves that were reserved just for queens you know and wow. even there in ancient hawaiian culture and in deities 
there are surfing goddesses, you know, and stuff. And wow. Like, like, who would, who would oh, know that? Cool. Yeah. And so when it's like, of course, it's the whole, it's that whole thing again, right? When the, the media, like, just whitewashes and gender washes, like, everything, you know? And then you just only see, when it comes commercialized like that, everything, all the meaning of it just kind of gets taken out. You know, and then the Calvinists yeah. came and just kind of ruined everything. You know, so um, and and James Hook writes about uh, or James Cook, not James Hook. Sorry, that's Peter Pan. <laughs> James Cook writes about when he gets there, he writes about seeing men and women surfing, right? And it was just just this equal thing. And so finally, I kind of decided I was like, okay, it's time. Like this is the summer. Like I need to do this, and I kind of knew that this is what I wanted to do my thesis on. And I was like, all right, if I'm going to do this, I really need to learn how to surf. So I, um, the first thing that kind of happened, I was looking for where to go all over the world and just doing lots of different research. Um, and then what happened first or what got scheduled first was uh, the opportunity to volunteer teach film in Greece. And Right, like right. I said at the beginning, I had studied abroad in Greece. I studied history. My my focus in history was ancient Greece and Rome. And actually, the first film I ever made was this horrible. Well, not it wasn't. I don't want to say it was horrible. <laughs> it was my first. <laughs> it was my first documentary <laughs> film. Um, and I had done that while studying abroad in Greece, and I hadn't been back in seven years. And I, you know, through teaching youth media. In Baltimore, I realized that I loved doing that. And so long story short, it just kind of all felt right. So I signed up for that first, and that was at the end of the summer. And then I wound up getting into, um, with a, a professor of mine, a, um, a conference at, in Edinburgh at the beginning of the summer, uh, an art and digital practices conference. And so that kind of, those were the bookends. Um, of the summer trip. And I was like, okay, well, it has to be somewhere. I'll learn to surf somewhere in Europe. And then I just kind of remembered through the grapevine uh, that there was this underground surf scene kind of in Portugal. And I was like, hmm, let me look into that. And so then I just started doing research. I found this surf, uh, kind of this small surf, I guess, camp, you could call it, that was run by a woman. And I was like, okay, this is this is what I'm going to do. So I just decided to book two weeks there. And then I had my flight out at the end from Lisbon to Athens. And I was like, I'm just going to show up. I will book two weeks here. And then I am going to be totally spontaneous and ask locals where to go and bounce around and just figure it out. And that's what I did. (laughs) That's what you did. That's what you did. And, and, And that's where the blog surf and surrender came from right where yeah you know you yeah. detailed you know basically almost like day to day what was going on and what your journey was and all of that and you know I it was just so revealing you know because like before I read the blog you know you know we had talked and you're like yeah I'm going to Portugal to learn surfing I'm like okay okay yeah. <laughs> right I'm like that's kind of <laughs> cool right and I really had no idea, you know, the whole part about, you know, women and surf and the history and the rich, rich mythology, you know what I mean? And then also your journey of of learning to surf and which I think is a great metaphor, right? And everything that you went through. So do you wanna go ahead and you know, one of your my favorite blogs, uh 
that you wrote um, was called The Shift. And this is yeah, during a moment where read. you're – what? Yeah, that's the one I was going to read too. Perfect. <laughs> oh, I must be like psychic. Um, oh, we must be psychic. Do you want, I mean, is this a good time to read that? Do you want to give yeah, any kind sure. of introduction so people know as you read it about kind of a little background about where you're at at this point and what's happening? Right. So basically, um, originally I wasn't going to write a blog because I was so – exhausted you know and and out of it right, and right. also kind of and in kind of a negative place and the other thing about this blog was I'd written a lot of travel blogs before and stuff and this but this was kind of the first time where I wrote about some really vulnerable things and yeah um the first two kind of two weeks of surfing uh was really hard you know and uh was yeah. triggering a lot of different things it was triggering body image issues and you know right. perfectionism issues because i was bad like i want everybody who's listening to, to this to know <laughs> that like surfing is incredibly hard and i was awful <laughs> like a really right right and really then you know time. if you've got any body issues squeezing into those you right. know wet the wetsuit yeah, exactly. And and also to know that like I'm kind of a short person. I'm I'm about 5'3" and the woman who actually ran this this uh surf camp is German and she's just this tall, thin, blonde, beautiful like, you know, badass <laughs> surfer chick. And so because of that there were a lot of other like amazing women from Germany who were all tall and thin and <laughs> you know, and so you just oh were, my were all standing around putting on our wetsuits together I was and like I said I had gained like probably like 15 pounds because I was really unhappy and you know not eating well and not doing yoga and not meditating and not taking care of my life so like all of this stuff was just getting triggered <laughs> in a, and, like, and a bunch of other deeper like the extreme anxiety and all of those other things like all of that was happening so the first couple weeks were um or the first yeah a couple first week was a little hard so this is this is uh um, the, is this I guess week the two? I'm about to read. This was this was in week one. So this is the first time it happened. But then, it, as you keep reading, you see it's like the other thing about surfing that you learn is just because you get it one day doesn't mean you keep getting it. You know, it's right, like this kind right, of constant right. thing. So okay, so the shift. Okay, okay. Thursday morning, we were back at Praia Grande, and it was nothing but wipeouts again. Some of us grabbed lunch at the restaurant overlooking the beach, and spending time with my new friends helped to lift my spirits a bit. So did the lobster risotto, an adorable chocolate lab puppy who sat in my lap and snuggled with me. Puppies make everything better. Yulika, oh, just to note, Yulika is, um, she's the surf instructor. Yulika drove me back to the camp so I could talk to her more about my project, and she gave me a few references. I skipped yoga in the evening because I was feeling shitty. I needed to write and to have time alone. My self-esteem was plummeting quickly, and I already committed to a sunset surf in the evening. Why was this so much harder than anything else I ever tried? Why wasn't I progressing at all? It's been four days. How am I not a pro surfer yet? Why can't I catch one <laughs> damn wave? <laughs> Why are my shoulders aching? What am I doing here? After I poured myself loathing into my journal, I looked up and peeked out from the shelf next to the fireplace, and a book called Surf Culture, The Art History of Surfing, was there. Gasp! It was exactly the kind of book that would be great for my thesis idea. And then I read the introduction. 
Many of the works of art in surf culture were made by artists who identify themselves primarily as surfers. Others were made by artists who surf. As surfers, artists, or surfer artists, they are united by the idea that rules are meant to be broken. Their achievements demonstrate the way ideas have traveled from surfing to art and back again, from works of art made of surf materials to surf logos and ads that incorporate the techniques and talents of contemporary artists. After I read this, something in me shifted. Simon was standing at the door. Leah, Sunset Surf, you ready? I closed the book and smiled at Simon. Bring it on. On June 8th, 2017, during Sunset Surf at Praia Grande, I caught my first wave. Wow! Oh, my God, Leah. I love that. I love that. You're such a great writer. And, you know, it's it's just so – you know, there's so many things I love about it, but, you know, just how in that moment of complete despair, you know, where you just think, what the what? And and then magically, you know, synchronistically, something shows up to tell you or give you a message that's exactly what you needed to hear. Yeah, exactly what I needed to hear. And I'd lived in that house for four days, and I'd looked at that bookshelf, and I'd never seen that book before. Right. You know? Right. Right. And so that was the other thing was really then kind of getting through those first two weeks. Those were the hardest, you know. And um, there's another time where I just go into kind of the this abandoned sort of bamboo field down this path and I just cry. And I think that was the other thing about the not taking care of myself was just kind of allowing myself to feel. You know, yeah. I think – when you're so overwhelmed, you just move so quickly through everything that's on your to-do list, yeah. you know, and you yeah. don't, I think all of us, you know, I think so many of us are, are overwhelmed and are balancing like many different hats and many different things and all of this other stuff. And you just kind of let it, let, kind of let yourself cry. And that was the surrender yeah. part was also just letting myself know that it was okay, you know, to kind yeah. of have this sort of, I guess what wound up being like, um, like in this bamboo field, this sort of like emotional surrender breakdown. I feel like I cried for hours, you know, because it was right. everything, like all of everything right. that had been going on for all those things, you know. And then when I came home after the film, I was involved in activism here and was one of the co-directors of uh, Hollaback Baltimore, which is an anti-street harassment thing. Um, and so it was like, look, it's that same idea where it's like, I don't want to stop making art. I don't want to stop being involved in activism. I don't want to stop these things, but how do I really take care of myself in the process? Yes, yes. You know? Yeah. And um, I think this whole trip really helped with realizing that nature and surfing and water and meditation is, like, also part of that. And you hear that all the time. You know, I don't even know how many times I've heard people say, spend more time in nature, and you're just like, oh, whatever, (laughs) you know? (laughs) (laughs) That's so, you just hear, you know, we know all these things. And I and you right and you know you know that's one of the things to mention too um, in your blog and hey let's tell people while we're talking about this Leah where they where they can get the blog it's on your website leahcmichaels.com right yes leahcmichaels.com so it's Leah L E A H C the initial as in Claire and then Michaels M I C H A E L S 
Um, because you, not only do you have these this great writing, but you also have amazing pictures. And so just looking at the pictures and you're talking about being in nature, I mean, oh, my gosh, just being in the water, being in nature, just, you know, really connecting also with the culture of surfing, you know. Yeah. The pictures yeah, are amazing yeah. as well. Yeah. And, I mean, just all the amazing people that I met along the way and just tapping in deeper to meditation and like we talk about our spirit guides and all of that other stuff I mean it just all became so much clearer you know and it's it's hard to keep it up and of course it's people listening this will be like oh it's so easy you know to run away to Portugal and like have and do that and like connect deeper you know but the hard thing is going to be coming home and and keeping up with it but um but that's okay and how's that going it's going pretty well so far. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's and, great. That's great. And, you know, it's it's interesting because I, I got to spend a week with uh, Leah and her mom at Cape May um, in New Jersey, the beautiful, beautiful Cape May. And I was there a whole week and I really disconnected. And I, I you know, I, and I had my own little small, uh, you know, adventure with paradise. And, and I, I'm just going to tell this funny story, Leah, because I think it's so funny um, yeah, about the, the swimming in the swimsuit, right? So I'm, you know, I'm a Seattle girl. And, um, you know, here in Seattle, the Pacific Ocean is the beaches are rocky and cold and and most people don't go swimming in the Puget Sound or in the the Pacific waters it's just too too cold right so here i am at Cape May lee hasn't gotten there lee hasn't gotten there yet so i'm with her mom melissa and melissa goes well now Megan, are you ready to go to the beach? And I'm like, yeah, great. I can't wait. She's like, and I go, what do you guys wear? What do you wear at the beach? She's like, uh, we wear swimsuits. And I'm like, oh, you mean people actually like get in the water? And she's like, <laughs> yes, we swim in the water. I'm like, oh, okay. So I, I didn't have a swimsuit. So I go down the beach with your mom. And meanwhile, there's these golden beaches and, and the ocean and everybody's, you know, it was just packed with umbrellas and people swimming. And I'm like, screw it. I'm going in. So I went in and yeah, like yoga it. pants and tank top. And once I yeah. got in the, the ocean, I, 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 it was like, oh, yeah, it totally, was like, oh totally. my God, I have never swam in the ocean before. So the very yeah. next day, your mom and I went shopping and I got a bathing suit at Walmart. My twenty nine ninety five bathing suit, which I'm very proud of, and I swam every day. But there yes. is just something magical about not only yeah. water but nature. But I just, oh, it is magical. Yeah. It is so magical, and I think that was the thing where, you know, being able to see the ocean almost every day and just cooking like. A lot of the places I stayed, hostels or Airbnbs, one, um, if they had a puppy, that was a plus. And uh, <laughs> two, were places that, you know, had small little farms and composted. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I think just pulling – and, you know, you've been to – I've been to a farm before and stuff. But, I mean, I'm a city kid, you know, just living yeah, yeah. living the day-to-day life of running out back pulling beets out of the ground, you know, like making and making a fresh beet salad after you went surfing yeah. that morning and meditated. It yeah. was just, you know, it was nuts. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, like people live this way. You know, like this, right. Like, this right. is a this life, you know, this is a life. And, um, and then later, I mean, I just met so many amazing people. And then when I got to Greece and was yes, working with these Yes, tell us about Greece, kids, what you were doing in Greece. 
Yeah, so I was volunteer teaching film with kids in Greece and um, on this island called Skopelos. And uh, it was amazing. You know, there's no arts programming for the most part for the most part, or kind of, you know, after school kind of activity programming on these remote islands, you know. And so um, these two amazing women, a mother and a daughter, they have a, an arts foundation that's an artist in residency. And then they also run these programs for kids. And one of them is this summer program where they invite filmmakers from all over the world to come and teach and you get room and board and they pay for your transport to and from the islands. And you just work with a group of kids for a week on a film that's kind of, you know, their idea. And you teach them stuff and you work together and you have a lot of fun. And at the end, there's a film festival for the whole village. And then the the movies that the kids made get sent out and distributed to to film festivals all around the world. And it was amazing. I saw the movie. It was amazing that you did. Yeah. Yeah. They did. The kids did. Yeah, that the kids did, and it was great. And the thing that was so funny was, you know, I had lugged this DSLR that I had checked out from school, you know, all across the world, and then I'd get there, and then it doesn't work. <laughs> so, it's like a camera. So we, yeah, yeah, it's a big camera. And so uh, we wound up filming the whole thing on one GoPro, and it was fine, and it was so much fun. Um, right. And so that was kind right. of like the other thing that I felt like I had to start learning more is just how to kind of like go with the flow and being like, you know what, things are not going to work all the time. And you just have to have a backup plan because if you panic, that is the worst thing you can do, you know. Right. And, well, one of the things um, you talk about in your blog and we've talked a little bit about is about how you also really relied on your intuition, you know, yeah. like where you yeah. really, you know, you were in these different circumstances and there were a lot of unknowns and you really used your intuition to, to guide you. Yeah, tapping in more for meditation and, and guides and all of that other stuff and really tapping in more to my intuition. And I think that's the other thing is we, you know, as women and lots of other people, we have so we have strong intuitions, you know, and then we second guess ourselves. And so, yes. Part of the surrendering was also surrendering to trust and surrendering to my own intuition. And so there was one time um, when we, like I said, we started the trip in in Edinburgh and I was very quickly in London for two days because it was cheaper to fly uh, to get to Portugal from, from London than it was to Edinburgh. And I just had this horrible experience at this one hostel. And the first day that I got there, I walked up to this one bed, this one bunk bed, Um, I was staying in a dorm, and I just had this horrible, intuitive hit that was just like, don't sleep there. Mm. (laughs) And I listened to myself and was like, okay. And I just walked, and I was meeting all these girls that I was going to be, you know, spending the night with at this dorm. And I was like, I'm not going to sleep in this bunk. I'm going to sleep in that bunk. And I just walked to the other side of the room. And the next Mm. day, a girl who slept in that bunk woke up with bed bugs. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. and we all had to move rooms and all of that other stuff. But for some reason, I feel so bad for this one girl. She's the only one who got them. And it was that drunk right. that I didn't sleep in. <laughs> you know? And so it was just that kind of thing. And then, I mean, and it's not like nothing horrible happened on the trip. There was one time where I um, I missed my flight from uh, from Lisbon to Athens. And I had a little, I didn't have a major freak out, but it was, you know, still kind of stressful. And I just had to be like, you know what? It's fine. Like, this is kind of a weird situation with money, but 
it's going to be okay. I'm just going to get my next flight the next day, and I'm just going to contact people. I just went back to the hostel where I was staying in before and slept one more night. And then when I came back for my flight the next morning, I just sat down in the airport, in the middle of the airport, stared at the flight manifest, and just wrote affirmations and was like, wow. I am wow. safe. Like, I am okay. Yeah. You know, this isn't – because travel can yeah. be really stressful for, for a lot of people. And yes, I was like, yes. You know what? I'm so lucky that there is even is a flight the next day, you know, like that. Right, uh, so right, I can even right. get out of here, you know, so – Well, you know um, that's just, you know, this is just another example of having to surrender, right, and trust yeah. and turn it over and – you know, here you use the affirmations to recenter yourself, you know. Yeah. That's just, and, you know, when you're living, the, the thing I think about getting outside of your comfort zones and going on this adventure that you went on, it's like, it's like you really start to live and experience life very differently, you know. And yeah, definitely. Yeah. It, you know, it's not where everything's all set up and you, you have your structure and you know what you're doing and you know where you're going. It's just... It opens you up to so many different things and and so many different possibilities when you're willing to go outside your comfort zones. Definitely. And I think that's also very true where um, it's like you can't grow in your comfort zone. You know, growth is really where you do things that kind of make you uncomfortable or scare you a little bit or can really kind of get you out there, you know. And and, um, I think – that is really what a lot of the trips help with and, and helped me realize how to be more confident for myself and stand up for myself and, you know, kind of put out there what I want and not let, uh, cause we talk about too, how we both tend to be people pleasers and, and all of mm-hmm. these other things mm-hmm. and, and just kind of being able to firmly say like, no, I'm not no. doing that. <laughs> and, and, or, and to take, you know, and you talk a lot about this, you know, about how to take care, taking care of yourself. And, you know, I think, for, you know, the people pleasing also, you know, I think we're both kind of like healers by nature. And, and yeah. I just think sometimes we, we give and we heal and we, you know, just take on a lot of stuff and we really do forget that self-care is essential, especially if you're like more of a sensitive type like we both are. Exactly. Yeah. And I, and finally it was kind of realizing, I was like, I can't help. Like I can't be a wonderful friend, like, or a good activist or a good healer or a good artist or any of these things. If I'm not taking care of myself, like that, like that's, you know, you can't show up for other people if you can't even show up for yourself. And I think that was kind of the most important thing is having, realizing that I have to kind of the pyramid of how I live my entire life, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And um, and also realizing that it's okay to say no to things, and it's okay to balance your time. And you're such um, a Gemini, uh, Leah. You are the quintessential <laughs> Gemini. You're the Gemini poster child because um, you you could, could you love you. I have such a big, uh, hungry curiosity. You could do a, a thousand things at one time, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, well, also speaking of the Gemini thing, it was so funny because um, I, you know, really connected with a lot of people, well, a lot of people all over the place and a lot of people in Greece and the the women who run the uh, the festival there and wanting to be more involved with them. And she it was so interesting. She said to me, she was like, Leah, it's like you live this double life. You know, she's like, mm. you're, you're involved in like these 
these issues with, you know, activism in terms of sexual assault and trauma and doing these like punk documentary films. And then you're like here teaching kids, you know, she was like, and she's like, I thought that you were going to get off the boat and be like covered in tattoos and piercings and all of this other (laughs) stuff. And it's like, and it was so funny. And I was just kind of like, I just looked at her when she said the double life thing. And I was like, Jill hashtag Gemini, you know, that's right. The double, the twins, the twins, that's twins. That's great. Yeah, I yeah. love it. And I, think I should also, also mention that, that you do have a Scorpio moon and Scorpio rising. So you're not yeah, so all there's Gemini. a lot of Scorpio. There, there's, yeah, yeah there's a, lot a lot of Scorpio, Scorpio going too. on there too. <laughs> but, so Leah, what's um, next for you? What, let's talk a little bit about what's yeah. next. I mean, you have, do you have a show coming up? Yeah, so I, I'm in a show coming up, which is great. I'm going to finish the blog, I promise. Um, so people okay. who, who yeah. haven't read it will you have might, time to Leah, You up. have to finish the blog, and, and oh, I think totally ultimately happen. it would make yeah. a great book. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see about that. I think also for people to know, sometimes when you have these great images too, like you know, just the photo editing and finding internet that yeah. works, especially when you're traveling and stuff, <laughs> can always be <laughs> can be uh, right. can be complicated so that's also why I'm a little behind but um but yeah so finishing that um full-fledged diving into my thesis on the history of women in surfing and starting to work on those types of projects and then I'm in a show uh coming up really our opening is um next Friday and it's this great show called uh feminism fights uh military morals um actually and feminism Mm -hmm. fights uh, patriarchal power that's kind of the overarching thing feminism fights patriarchal power and that's going and to be so in uh, baltimore it's in baltimore yeah but we're we are starting to have conversations about potentially traveling it so if there's anyone in seattle who'd be interested uh definitely let me know but it's a group, or anywhere um, in the world yes or anywhere Contact in the world Leah. um it's this huge group collaborative project um, that's kind of like a, a feminist take on the dmv where we make all of these kind of feminist forms and um, it's also based on, if anyone knows, the kind of Thomas Hirshhorn uh, kind of way of taking big ideas and making them attainable and in um, non-intimidating ways. So they're just markers and things everywhere where people can read and draw. And really, it's about how do we imagine like a better, a better system, a better life for, for all of right. us. Um, so right. that information's up there, and uh, yeah, I also think. And Leah, the there's no surfing in Baltimore, though. Am I am I right on that? Well, or? so not in the city, but I've learned that apparently there's um, some surfing in Assateague, which is the eastern shore of Maryland, and there's supposed to be some surfing in New Jersey. So I'm going to figure it out. Like I'm really, surfing I'm in love with Jersey. surfing now. I'm going to figure out a way to really make it. Wait, or maybe you life. go somewhere else in the, you know, in in the yeah, in, in yeah. the world again. Right. Yeah, I mean, oh, like, it's surfing forever. There's no, not giving it up now. <laughs> Definitely not. Right, because right, you bought so. the wetsuit, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, I bought a wetsuit. Can't go back. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Can't go yeah. back. Absolutely. And, and, and uh, then, you know, with your thesis, yeah. you're really going to be exploring this whole theme about, what do you call it, surf feminism? About yeah, really bringing in the female archetypes and the history around surfing. Right, yeah. Definitely. Kind of just like illuminating that history and pulling in more of these ideas of how, you know, like the moon pulls the ocean tides and also moves women's reproductive systems and has a lot to do with like new life and this kind of resurrection and surfing and 
surrendering idea, like all of these cycles and, and also kind of trying to figure out a way to make everything that I want to make in uh, sustainable materials, you know, because we really need to take care of, of our planet and our ocean right now. I mean, especially think of how you started talking about everything that's going on in Texas and the, the flooding that's yeah. even happening, you know, and, in India and we've been having flash floods in Maryland, you know, two people died right. in Ellicott city last year because of flash flooding. Wow. You know, wow. and, and, and so, you know, here we are in Seattle and it hasn't rained in like, I'm sure I'm exaggerating, but like three months. I mean, I think yeah. it might've rained a little bit, but I mean, here we are rain city, Seattle and we have yeah. no rain. Yeah. You know, you know, when it was really it was so crazy when you said um when you were doing your meditation this morning and you said you had you know this vision of lakshmi like the the vision that i was having was yes i all of a sudden was on a beach with you know these surfing and one of them like took my hand and pulled me over to the coast and then kind of showed me the world and just kind of this you know these masses of of dark to energy happening in oceans but then also how we have the power to heal that you know that it's like this is what's happening but we can fix it so these are that is we need to take care of ourselves and and, and i i love to because you know i think i told you it's kind of a a giggle it's like when you told me you were doing your thesis on surfing i was like uh okay you know what i mean (laughs) i had no idea until reading your blog and we talked about what just there's just so much there so much there's there. so much there yeah yeah and it was funny yeah. you were like i get it now i get it <laughs> yeah 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 i get it yeah. i get it i get it well yeah. leah we're coming to the end of our conversation and i just want to tell people again where they can uh read surf and surrender and also read all about all the amazing things you're doing in the world and also get in touch with you yeah yeah so again the website is um leahcmichaels.com and also i feel like something i just kind of we've been talking about and really want to say it's one of the other things I really learned on this whole trip is how much power and agency we have over our own lives and how important it is for us to just be happy, you know? So Mm. if people listening are in like jobs they hate or relationships that aren't working out or like whatever it is, you know, I, I know it's not, you can't just quit and go, you know, like I couldn't just quit and go. I had to save money and figure out a plan, but it's like make an exit strategy. You know, like figure, right. ask for help, you know, like reach out to right. other people. Tell tell your friends and family members and people who love you or the people you feel close to, you know, like I'm I'm struggling right now and I need to I need to figure something out. You know. I think that's the most important thing. And uh, uh that thank you. Thank you for saying that. I mean what a way what a great way to end, you know, today with that thought because you're right. I think um, so many times we forget that we are not alone and and that you can reach out and you can make things happen. Yeah, yeah. And I mean like reach out to me. Like if you have questions or like any of those yeah. things, reach out to me. Reach out to the people you're inspired by and just do it, you know? Like figure figure something out and I think one of the quotes that I found when I came home that was so fascinating was um, this great quote that if you want to work on your art, work on your life. And um, oh, for those right. of us who are artists out there, you know, and figuring figuring all of those things out, I think it's important. It's okay to take a break. I think that was the other thing. Like just right, 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 right. And you can you can do it. You can create amazing things like the trip that you took. Oh my gosh, Leah! Thank you so much. I love you. Everybody yeah, check out too. Leah's website, leahcmichaels.com, yeah, and, don't, don't be and to also, email me. what's that? 
Oh, don't be afraid to email me. That's the other thing. Don't be afraid yeah. to email Leah. <laughs> yeah. Connect with her. <laughs> Connect with her. And also don't hesitate to go to my website, uh, meganskinner.com. There's lots of good resources there. Um, I just posted my uh, horoscopes for uh, September, and you can read all those there and also find more about my work. And I also do sessions as a professional clairvoyant, tarot card reader, and astrologer. And finally, a shout-out for my new book, which is called Compass, Navigating Your Intuitive Gifts for Success and Well-Being. It's really great, and it's also on my website. Okay, everybody, thank you for tuning in to Soul Place Radio, and I look forward to talking with you soon. Have an amazing day. Thanks, Megan. Bye. Reporting from the leading edge of humanity's consciousness evolution since 1997, this is News for the Soul, the number one life-changing talk radio show in the world, according to Google, AOL, MSN, Alexa, and YouTube, and home to the largest totally free life-changing media library in the world. In its 13th year of broadcasting, News for the Soul is syndicated on the air, on the web, and beyond, and found online at newsforthesoul.com. Now, here's your host, the one News for the Soul listeners are calling the Oprah of the Internet, Nicole Whitney. <laughs> 